Get a credit card that gives you what you need now, a low interest rate on everyday purchases, and place to transfer high interest rate balances. The PenFed Gold Contactless Card is our lowest interest rate credit card. You can even earn a $100 statement credit when you spend $1,500 in the first 90 days. Join PenFed, and together they can help you keep more of what's yours. Visit PenFed.org slash gold card. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCU Little Hand says it's time to rock and roll. Bring the noise. You say crazy, I say Gary. You say savage, I say Shannon. Crazy. Gary. Savage. Shannon. Let's run that whole thing back. Who are these people? You say unbelievable, I say Gary Hoffman. You say incredible, I say Shannon Farron. Unbelievable, incredible. Gary and Shannon. Let's run that whole thing back. Let the games begin. weighted blanket i spent so much time <laughs> under my weighted blanket yesterday it's good i did i thought about it i slept under it uh and my wife said that she heard us talking about it and she said do you even know where it is i said oh yeah it's always it's always on, under my my side of the bed so if i have to i can reach out lift with both legs uh-huh. and then put it on top of the bed if i need to but i didn't need to yesterday uh, but I thought about it. I thought about it because you said you tweeted something about it. you were watching the college football oh, playoff great. championship and the weighted blanket. It was a great combo. And just doesn't doesn't Ed Orgeron's voice sound like a weighted blanket? Sounds like something. <laughs> I don't know if I could deal with that twenty four seven. But wait a minute. All you need all you need is an Ed Orgeron alarm clock yelling at you. At first thing in the morning, whatever time you set it for, 5.45, 6, 6.30, whatever time it is, Ed Orgeron comes on and tells you to get up. Uh, it would Give be- credit to the players. I'm at the right place at the right time. You know, we get Joe Burrow, we get Joe Brady, Steve Ensminger, Dave Aranza, a guy that was a lair, this offensive line that we have behind us, Rashard Lawrence, give them all the credit. I, I you mean- guys, this story is so America. It was so much fun to root for Joe Burrow last night, knowing Joe Burrow's story. And we'll go through it because it really is something to root for. And it shows what football does, how resilient it can make you to make it to the NFL and why these guys are so much fun to root for. When you look at all the people that go undrafted, you look at all of the kids that come from places like Athens County and they succeed despite all of the adversity. I think what's what I don't like is that when people say, oh, you guys talk about sports too much, we don't talk about the X's and O's. We don't talk about, you know, third down uh, completion percentage, you know, past five yards. That's not what makes these types of stories interesting. These these people that play in this game, and even if it's 20, 21, 22-year-old dudes that are playing in this football game, so many of them have incredible stories to tell. So last night, uh, LSU Tigers beat the Clemson Tigers for the national championship, 42-25. to 25. LSU was 
a perennial loser to Alabama and the SEC. And that's a problem. And it all changed when they added who is widely considered the toughest player in college football, Joe Burrow, in the spring of 2018. He's from Athens County, Ohio, which we'll get into is one of the poorest areas in the country. And Coach O said he saved our ass. Now, when you hear when Joe Burrow heard those words from Coach O, his head dropped earlier in the fall when they were interviewing about this. And he's then they told him, Coach O said, you saved us. You saved this team. And his head dropped. And he said, I didn't save them. As his eyes start to well up, they saved me. Joe Burrow had sat for three years at Ohio State. Ohio State was the, the team he grew up rooting for, being from Ohio. He backed up uh, three different guys. We won't go into names because it doesn't matter. But he just sat and sat and sat. And he said, without Coach O... Without him believing in me and this program and giving me the confidence to come here and take the helm, he said, I might have gone to Cincinnati and lost. I might have gone to North Carolina and lost the job. Last year, they were in the Fiesta Bowl. It was the first 10-win season for LSU in so very long. And he was having a bad game. He got hit badly. Joe Burrow did. It was a dirty hit. And Coach O goes to the sideline and he says, start getting this kid up. Joe Burrow's replacement, right? Because that was a bad hit. This game's not going well. And Joe Burrow went up to him and screamed at him, you're not taking me out of the game. They say he is one of the toughest guys. They put two full IV bags in him after that game. He's a kid that, listen, he won the Heisman Trophy. The Heisman Trophy is obviously the big statue, the big trophy in all of college football, but he's won dozens of other honors and trophies and awards over the course of the last two seasons. He used that platform, by the way, to talk about Athens County. According to a report in 2016, 30% of people in Athens County live below the federal poverty line. Lung cancer rate higher than any state in the nation. Opioid crisis there has blown up. More babies are born addicted to drugs than five times the national rate. And high school athletes don't just leave Athens and go to great schools. The talent level is not there. It's unheard of for an Athens kid to go play at Ohio State. So he was always behind the eight ball. He was one of the few guys to make it out. And when he went to Ohio State and then he sat for three years, it was devastating for him to think about what his future meant. His future meant going back to Athens County and living this depressing life. And when he got the Heisman Trophy, he said to the kids... You know, he said, uh, there were kids from where I'm from that don't get a lot. They have to wear the same set of clothes to school every day. They're made fun of all the time. I want to be the person they can look at and say, he got out and so can I. The, I mean, the world is just, the world is in front of this guy. And, and he can take Unfortunately, it Unfortunately, though, he has to go play for Cincinnati. Because they have the number one pick in the draft. <laughs> but you know but, what? But again, what a great hey, wait, story. It's Cincinnati. He gets yeah. to go back to his home state once again and be the, you know, yeah. we can all hope that the Cincinnati Bengals don't suck as bad as they did this year with him at the they helm. They won't with him at the helm. And, and the other thing about him is he truly values his offensive line. He thinks of himself as an offensive lineman more than a quarterback. Those are the guys he hangs out with. He knows the value, which is so important. 
so it, to me, it seemed like such an America story. And then on the other hand, I wake up this morning to see that everyone's lost their minds over Vince Vaughn oh. shaking the hand of the president. F and you. Well, remember, when did we get to the point where you can disagree with somebody politically and you're done shaking their hand? Just the you same, can't even sit with them it anymore. Was when, uh, it was when Ellen was seen with George W. Bush. It's such BS. It's just it, a, it's so indicative of where we're at and it's garbage. It's, a, it's an indictment of if you... If that's the way that you think we're going to solve societal problems, world problems, whatever, by saying Vince Vaughn can't shake that guy's hand, we are doomed. We're just going to stop talking to each other if we disagree. We're just going to go to the opposite corners of the room and yes. sit there. And that's point- it's so juvenile. It was like great America and then bad America. <laughs> Two examples. Up next. Nancy Pelosi finally sets some of the details about when we're going to see the articles of impeachment sent to the Senate. We'll talk about that. And we have a chance for a thousand bucks coming up. Tell you how you can win it. Weird chemical exposure when you're a kid, something like that? Like it frizzes it all? I've been trying to figure that out for 15 years, and I have no solution, and neither does the hairstylist. Gary and Shannon, KFI AM 640, live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. Stories that we are uh, following today, of course, tonight is the, uh, the last Democratic debate before the Iowa caucuses. Six people on the stage today, Biden, Warren Sanders, Buttigieg, Klobuchar, and Steyer. Counter-programming to the nth degree, the president will be at a, uh, a 2020 campaign rally in Milwaukee tonight, just uh, just north of where they will be in Des Moines, Iowa. Um, a good economic indicator. Americans in every single metropolitan area experienced economic prosperity in 2018. For the, for the first time in 26 years, there was no metro area that saw per capita incomes fall in 2018, which was the uh, the most recent information that was available. Well, uh, speaking of which, we got a thousand bucks to give away. For your chance at a thousand bucks, text the nationwide keyword "coffee" C O F F E E to 200 200. You'll get a confirmation text and info. Standard data and message rates apply in this nationwide contest. That's coffee to 200 200. And remember, you've got to pick up the phone. If you don't, your thousand dollars will go floating away. Looks like the number will be coming from a 513 area code. Your next chance to win next hour here on KFI. And every Monday through Friday, 5 a.m. to 620. Tomorrow, an historic day, the the, uh, House of Representatives will vote to transmit the charges and name the House managers for the Senate impeachment trial of President Trump. Yeah, the House planning to vote tomorrow to send those articles of impeachment to the Senate to start the trial on removing him from office, which will never happen. Pelosi met privately today at the Capitol with House Democrats about the next steps, including talking about the end of her blockade, where she has been kind of just standing as an obstacle between the House and the Senate when we move this thing along. Uh, you know, a lot of people have been asking, why is it that she held on to yeah. it for so long? You know, was she really concerned about the way that Mitch McConnell was going to set up the rules for trial? I I honestly believe it has everything to do now with 
pushing this trial to a certain time when it will be going on while the president gives his State of the Union address, which is scheduled currently for uh, February 4th, Tuesday the 4th. And if that's the case, imagine the scenery in Washington, D.C., where a president in the middle of an impeachment trial is then asked to address the nation. And I think that's what she was betting on happening. But if you're the president, how easy is it to write this speech, this State of the Union speech? Oh, I think it's a miscalculation on her part, totally. Absolutely. All you have to do is point to those economy numbers you just mentioned, point to how well Wall Street has done, and then talk about, well, what have your lawmakers done? What have your elected lawmakers done? What has the democratically controlled House done? It is wasted all of this time with an impeachment trial that's going to go nowhere in the Senate. Why aren't they working for you? Why aren't they concerned about the economy the way I've... I mean, it's so easy. It's just, it's such a miscalculation, I think. And and, uh, according to Kevin McCarthy, the the House minority leader, the one from uh, Bakersfield, he has said, listen, we don't think that should happen. He wants to see the State of the Union address pushed back until after a Senate trial. I leave it up to the president. The unfortunate part is the speaker controls uh, the invitation of when it comes. We've watched the speaker play politics with it before. We know how weak this um, impeachment is. Again, I, I think she is miscalculated. If that is, in fact, her priority is having the trial on in the background while the president is giving a State of the Union address. She's miscalculating how he's going to handle that. So they send this over tomorrow. Then the trial would begin in a matter of days. Uh, Mitch McConnell opening the Senate today, scoffing at what he called the bizarro world of Pelosi's impeachment strategy. He said, do these sound like leaders who really believe we are in a constitutional crisis, one that requires the ultimate remedy? Because she waited for weeks hey, to transmit these charges if it's you know if the house is burning down you don't sit on the fire hose i i he makes a great point about that um one thing she did not do today was name the managers basically those prosecutors uh the house members that would be the prosecutors in the impeachment trial over in the senate and I still don't know why I mean she's got plenty of people who are uh who are capable of doing it. I wonder if she thinks Adam Schiff would be the guy to do it. I mean, he's been the one who's really been driving the boat in terms of the committees that have been taking up the articles of impeachment and drawing up the case for the articles of impeachment. But he comes with such baggage and he comes with such a negative connotation now. I wonder if he even makes the list of of managers for the Democrats. So we'll see. Harvey Weinstein had a spy working for him. Oh, yeah. This is the guy who worked for Mossad at some point, right? Yes. So this guy is finally talking about trailing dozens of people in Hollywood to try to get dirt on them to tear down the Harvey Weinstein, the case against Harvey Weinstein. Make no mistake about it. This is not the only spy working to tear down women who have brought up improprieties with powerful men. We'll talk about him when we uh, when we come back. Gary and Shannon will continue. Shannon, KFI AM 640, live everywhere. 
on that iHeartRadio app. Hey, tomorrow we should do Where Are You Listening Wednesday. Where Are You At Wednesday? Yeah. Yeah. It's been a while. I forgot the name of it. It's been so long. <laughs> Some supporters of the president lined up starting last night to make sure they'd have a spot inside that arena in Milwaukee where he's going to host a rally this evening. It's his first Appearance this year in a state that is a critical battleground state, obviously, in the race for president. He's also trying to counter-program the Democratic presidential debate in Iowa. That's going to be a... uh, Sorry, that's going to be a barn burner tonight, right? The two hours of uh, what now people are saying is a worrisome factor that they're all white people up on that stage. Cory Booker, I think, was on CBS this morning today and was concerned about the lack of racial diversity in the uh, on the stage in these debates. I don't even know if Democrats are going to watch this thing. I think they're just frustrated <laughs> and want to get it whittled down. Well, so, you listen, know, Bernie or Biden. To the credit of the Democratic Com- National Committee, the, the, the party said you know, every time we have a debate, we're going to ratchet up the requirements so that we do narrow it down. So the party itself was the thing that was the mechanism by which these people were whittled away. So what I don't understand is, are Democrats who are complaining about the whiteness of these debates and the whiteness of the people at the top of the polls, are they are they suggesting that Democratic voters are the racists and the homophobes and the sexists? That. That's the part I don't get. This isn't some great policy that's being thrust upon them by evil Republicans somewhere. Right. These it's, are the ones are they're choosing. Likely Democratic voters are where these percentages are coming up right. from in the polls. So so maybe Cory Booker just wasn't a great candidate or his policies didn't catch or Kamala Harris wasn't somebody that people wanted to vote for. One of Harvey Weinstein's spies which who, excuse me, was hired to investigate those making allegations of sexual assault against Harvey, has defended his practice. He secretly trailed 91 women, 91 Hollywood figures, including Rose McGowan, who was one of the first. He worked for the private intelligence company called Black Cube. And he did an interview with the BBC. And he says... That it was totally okay that he used a cover story of being a reporter working on an article about Hollywood to convince Rose McGowan's literary literary agent to encourage Rose to speak to this guy. Now, Rose McGowan was one of the first to come out and publicly accuse Harvey Weinstein of rape, not sexual harassment, not not uncomfortable workplace or anything like that. She accused him of rape and she was really one that is credited with his downfall um, and the beginning of the hashtag Me Too movement. Now, this guy, Seth Friedman, this private investigator working for Black, Crew, uh, Black Cube, apparently had um, some links to Mossad, whether it was Black Cube that had it or he had it. It's kind of murky. But he says, listen, I don't feel guilty about anything I did. As far as I'm concerned, if you're an actress who works in Hollywood and a reporter calls you and you decide to talk to them, that's pretty run of the mill. Even he, though, I mean, he doesn't acknowledge the fact, and at least in that statement, he doesn't acknowledge the fact. He totally lied about the fact that he was a reporter. It sounds like he was just doing his job. This was a job he was hired to do, and he was going to do it. And it doesn't mean one way or the other how he feels about the whole Me Too issue. Um, 
Weinstein had hired Black Cube in July 2017 with two primary objectives. He had to provide intelligence, which will help the client's efforts to completely stop the publication of a new negative article in a leading New York newspaper and to obtain additional content of a book which is currently being written and which includes harmful negative information on and about that client, Harvey Weinstein. So to achieve this, Black Cube put together a dedicated team, including this guy, Seth Friedman. Um, he spent more than $1.3 million to protect his <laughs> reputation. That's not money well that's spent. A, that's a good contract, but it didn't go anywhere. Now, this guy, he says he no longer works for Black Cube. Um, he'll only, he will not say that he's sorry or that he feels guilty or any of the previous work because he says he's not. He never would do anything illegal. He wouldn't uh, intimidate anybody or silence anyone or harass anyone into silence, he says, because those things would be illegal and none of those things happen. This is what happens with good, high-priced divorce attorneys, by the way, or family law attorneys. They will dig. They will hire these firms, these PI firms that are shady as hell and use shady-ass tactics, and they will hire them to dig up all of the dirt on you that they can possibly find to help their case would they and i would imagine a lot of them sort of uh toe the line when it comes to legal and not legal yes or i toe the line is not the right word because that means that that implies that they follow the rules all the time walk along the edge yes they like to walk the edge when it comes to legal and illegal yeah uh, and and take their uh, rather liberal interpretations of what is legal and not it's like a tax guy like a good tax guy you know, you don't ask questions. You, you just, just do it what the they tell you to you do. Go, okay, sure. I know exactly what you're talking about. Um, somebody said, love your show, but if you're going to be a campaign manager for Trump's reelection, that's not what I'm interested in. At least be fair. The economy is great, but that has nothing to do with whether or not the president is guilty of any crimes as stated in the impeachment. True story. But what do most people care about? Do they care about the economy? Or do they care about that conversation with the Ukrainian president? Yeah, we've said that before. I mean, when the president says tweets things like, how can you impeach a president when the economy is as great as it is? Those are two separate things. Totally. But at the end of the day, what do you care about? Right. A lot of people would be unable to explain what the two articles of impeachment are, but they would be able to say, I did all right this quarter. I did my my 401k statement came back and it right. looks really positive. I know the Dow is doing great. I know that my wages have gone up. Those are the types of things that a lot of people care about. So it would be an in, I mean, again, just the backdrop of an impeachment trial going on while he gives a State of the Union address would be great political theater. Right. OK, coming up next. Old people. Nick. Has... More like bold people. Am oh, I right? Good tease. Right. Yeah. The elderly are becoming bolder. Nick has found a bunch of stories of old people, bold people. Just letting it hang out. Mm. They don't care. Why not? Breaking news. It's about Baby Yoda. Oh. Okay. Baby Yoda is headed to build a bear within the next few months. You will be able to make your own Baby Yoda 
for about $400. Gary and Shannon, KFI AM 640 Live, everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. My question is, John Favreau being the head of The Mandalorian uh, in terms of the producer of that show, did he make the right decision to keep all of that under wraps? Because Baby Yoda became such a huge thing over the last couple of months. Could they have made a billion dollars on Christmas on the merchandising of it? Yes. Now, hopefully they produced season two and it's up and running before Christmas season starts next year because they have it. They still stand to gain a whole pant load of money. I know Disney and Lucasfilm are really hurting for money right now, but I'm just saying it seems like it seems like a missed opportunity. Yeah, it was a good opportunity for them to make money. I agree. All right. Well, in uh, from our file of. The bold man down the road. Is that a good one? Or? You get to a certain age in life and you just say, screw it. I'm going to do what I want to do. I reached that age at about 12. But for others, it takes a little (laughs) bit longer. It takes people to get to the autumn of their life a lot of times. Or the winter, as with these two gentlemen. Yeah. Uh, We told you last week about that 93-year-old guy who went into he the um, the maintenance office at his Las Vegas apartment complex and shot a dude. There was a man and woman inside the management office. The guy pulls out a gun out of his jacket, 93 years old. He does it very slow. He fires one round towards the back of the room, missing another employee but striking a computer. The woman leaves, and he shoots the mail worker right in the leg at point-blank range. Crumples to the ground, the guy who was shot, an old guy stands over him, giving zero uh, S's or F's or anythings, and shoots him again while he's lying on the ground. Well, only to be outdone, perhaps, by a guy from Greenville, South Carolina. Well, he was ups- he, that That gentleman was upset about the water damage in his unit. Right. Well, it's also Vegas, so open the window. It'll dry out. Man in South Carolina, a man born before World War II, 86 years old. Gilbert Ware is his name. And he has gone and robbed himself a bank. It happened at about 9.30 a.m. on Monday morning. He had just had his brand muffin and uh, decided he was going to rob this bank in Greenville, South Carolina. He only had half of it. You kind of lose your appetite after a while. Only half a brand muffin. You know what? You're right. You're absolutely right. He entered the bank wearing a mask and brandishing a firearm and demanded money from the employees like a bank robber is one to do. Bank tellers complied with the request, handed over an undisclosed amount of money to the bank robber. He got into his car and left the premises with the money. He didn't make it very far, though, because he's 86 years oh, he's old. Gonna, he doesn't drive He ran as into fast four cars to. on the what? same he street. Did what? I made that up. Oh. <laughs> but they got him a couple blocks away after conducting a traffic stop. So apparently he did not give chase. They were able to recover the stolen money and the firearm. You know, we hear about bank robberies so often. Usually it doesn't involve an 86-year-old man. But right. is the protocol at all these banks to hand it all over? Yes. Or hand it over? Yeah. So that's why we keep having bank robberies. If yes. we started shooting these people... Uh, I think we'd have fewer bank robberies. Like if the protocol at the chase down the street was shoot that mf'er, 
Uh, I don't think anyone else would try it for if a that while. Was the company policy from corporate? Yeah, guys, we have a new memo on our security, uh, and we're just going to distill it down to one line: shoot the mf'er. Is that? Yeah, it's like when Handel comes into our office in the morning. Yes, and our protocol is just to let him uh, eat our candy, and make masturbation jokes, mm-hmm. and if we changed our protocol, maybe that wouldn't happen. Okay. I'm not saying we're going to shoot anybody. Okay. Right. No. I was like, where are you going with that? <laughs> Although we do have Nerf Nick's guns. like, pump the brakes on this hypothetical. Maybe we could start with closing the door. <laughs> okay. And putting yeah, a please knock sign. Closing the door is so claustrophobic. There's no windows There's in no that office. There's no airflow. There's no windows. There's no airflow. Well, we do have that. No uh, that we do uh, have an air purifier in yeah. there, but it's not the same. All right. Well, we'll get a fan. I'll work on that. We have a fan. We have an air purifier and a fan, don't we? Yeah. Facebook says, I'm your number one fan. That's a good point. We should you just get Monica in there to keep Handle out of the office. Monica, will you be our little troll at the door? Wow. Um, you can, oh, troll tolls. Can, what you do is, what trolls do is they gain, they give passage. Do yeah. you have to build a bridge to do that? No. Can, so oh. your bodyguard? Like yes. Your office bodyguard? You're a bouncer. Yeah. Yeah, let's do that instead of calling me a troll. Thank you. I didn't mean... <laughs> <laughs> we're the same height. Excellent uh, point. Um, hey, I didn't mean that you were a troll. I meant that what uh-huh. trolls do is they, they they give passage to the right people. Mm. Are we yeah. collecting fares? I'll take people's money. No, no, you. We get the money from you. No, no, <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> All right, who's going to be the next DA of LA County? It could be dark times for LA County if yeah. some of these people unless, are in. Unless you're a felon, then oh yeah, then welcome. Or in. if you're a drunk driver. Oh boy, Yahtzee. Gary and Shannon will continue right after this. <laughs> AM640 live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app on this Tuesday, January 14th. Big stories that we're following. Turns out that Nancy Pelosi says tomorrow the House will vote on articles of impeachment to send them over to the Senate. We haven't yet seen the list of managers, those Democratic members of the House that would be acting as prosecutors in the Senate trial. We haven't seen them from Republicans either, but... Also a Democratic debate tonight. Biden, Warren, Sanders, Buttigieg, Klobuchar, Steyer. There will be six people on that stage at Drake University in Des Moines, Iowa. And uh, big congratulations to LSU. LSU, the national college football champion. Uh, Heisman Trophy winner Joe Burrow was the one who led the Tigers over the Clemson Tigers 42-25 last night at the Superdome. Antonio Gates has officially announced his retirement today. He'll become eligible for the Hall of Fame in 2023. That's a first ballot. Guy. It has to be, right? Yeah. Um, we have followed the story of Chesa Boudin, who is the new district attorney in San Francisco, um, who I'm assuming his parents are pretty proud of him. Uh, I don't know because they're in jail, um, so I, they could be. Um, one of the things that he did two days after he was sworn in as the new DA up in San Francisco was fired seven prosecutors. Well, yeah, there's going to be some turnaround when uh, a new DA takes over. But what troubles me more than firing seven prosecutors who may have campaigned against him, supported his uh, his opponent, his opponent 
is what is happening to DA off, D, district attorney's offices in California. Well, one of the things that he also did, he so he fires seven of them. He hires four new ones. Two of those are former public defender's office this employees. This is the new thing in California. We have a former public defender running for Jackie Lacey's seat come November. Rachel Rossi is her name, and she has been a public defender for years. Great. Stay on that side because we need somebody who's going to fight for victims on the other side. George Gascon is another guy who's running against Jackie Lacey. Now, the L.A. Times has tried to, like, tear her down left and right Right. for what they, they feel is she's not liberal enough, that she doesn't fight for criminals enough. And they are fighting hard for these two people to get that seat. And what it means for people in L.A. County is no bueno. Isn't to me their their treatment of George Gascon is a lot like their uh, their I don't know to use a one of Ken's terms knob slobbering that they do over Josh Dudamel. No ball washing. Is that right? Is that absolutely his name? That yes, a, Josh Dudamel, the L.A. Philharmonic guy. Yes. Right. Yes. Okay. Okay, both these two opponents, Gascon and Rossi, they don't believe that criminal street gang members should be treated than should be treated differently than criminals who don't band together to commit crimes. Both of them have pledged to eliminate gang enhancements. Gang enhancements, by the way, when they those were put into motion in the late eighties, early nineties, were able to clean up a lot of South Central. Because those enhancements were there. You had gang members that were going out with each other committing murders and you were able to put all of them away because they all agreed to go commit that murder. Not all of them were the trigger people, but they all agreed as a conspiracy to go commit that murder. They want to get rid of all of that. Now, well, I don't know. They also believe these two. Gascon, definitely. Maybe Rossi as well, because she fights for criminals. That's been her whole life. Um, believe that people who drink and drive with a blood alcohol content of up to twice the legal limit should get diversion. Twice the legal limit is 0.16. At 0.4, you're dead. You want people out there driving around with a 0.16 blood alcohol level and then put them in a, a therapy program instead of giving them a consequence for maybe killing somebody or themselves? One of the other things that they want to do, apparently, is to hire immigration lawyers for the DA's office to make sure that people who are charged with crimes by the prosecutors, that those people who are charged with crimes uh, will not get deported or or even changing the crimes with which they're charged so that they don't rise to the level of getting them deported. Listen to this one. Rachel Rossi says she would start prosecuting people who are causing homelessness Forget about no slap on the wrist for crapping in the streets. She's going to go after the people who she believes are causing homelessness. Who is that? Businesses, guys. Businesses that will no longer come to California and, in fact, leave as quickly as possible. She would investigate big developers, corporate landlords, people who raise the rent of their buildings. Again, completely misunderstanding what it is that's causing homelessness. That is perpetuating homelessness. It's this hands-off approach where it's just a personality choice. It or 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 the uh, everyone has a, a a right to be out there, perhaps, but it's not their fault that they're out there. It's someone else's fault that they're out there. 
They would both not seek the death penalty in any case, which is not a shock. And then also, they don't want to hire more prosecutors to prosecute crimes. They want to put taxpayer dollars into hiring civil rights and immigration attorneys to be in-house at the DA's office. I have a question. To not prosecute crimes. Don't those lawyers already exist? Yes. They're they're in the public defender's office. Exactly. And that's where they should stay. I'm a big believer in the public defender's office. Everyone should be afforded a defense. Absolutely. But I also think there should be another side that fights for the victims, and those are district attorneys. But in California, we've got all of the public defenders bleeding in. And suddenly nobody's looking out for you and your kids. They're looking out for the criminals. Okay, I don't know a whole lot about Rachel Rossi, but I do know that George Gascon came from the LAPD, went up to San Francisco and became their district attorney. There's no one. There's no one that I know of in politics in San Francisco that I would want in charge of my county. Not one. Not one person. And if George Gascon is the guy who's considered the district attorney only to be usurped by that other guy that we were talking about, uh, Boudin, Chesa Boudin, uh, why are we continuing to look to these people to fix the problems when the, 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 the wake that they've left in the places that they've already existed is horrific? But people don't see it like that in California. They care about feelings. They care about rehabilitation and diversion programs and not being punitive to the people who grew up with hard times instead of going back and checking out what's causing all those hard times. Going back, you know, it's one thing to go to the beginning of somebody's life and figuring out how to help them in the beginning. Right. That's what we need to be doing as a people, not waiting until they're committing crimes and then saying, but you are a good person. Let's just put you in a diversion program. Let's rehab the murderers because they had a rough childhood. I'm going to crack that hard candy shell and get right to your chocolatey center. It's so sweet. Just focus on income inequality from go. Good Lord. Gustavo Dudamel, not Josh. Josh Dudamel. Josh Dudamel's an actor. actor. That's so funny. Gustavo Dudamel from the L.A. Philharmonic. What are you going to do? I don't know. I just wish that he would call me back. Hey, there's Ray Lopez in the hallway. He loves Gustavo Dudamel. (laughs) Isn't that the tattoo that he got? Yeah. I haven't seen it yet. It's all, it's, it's his entire chest. Speaking of homelessness, turns out. Um, if L.A. wants to get some of the money that the president has promised for homelessness, there will be some strings attached. <laughs> you guys don't have to walk. You guys do not need to tiptoe. Yeah, it's okay. Gary and Shannon will continue also with your chance to win a thousand bucks. We'll tell you how that uh, how that could happen. show you something stand by gary and shannon kfi am 640 live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app you're not gonna like me for it uh, iran said today that authorities have made arrests for the accidental shoot down of a ukrainian passenger plane they didn't say who they didn't say how many they didn't name any of them 
Oh my God. I know. I know. Who posts that? Iran's president also called for a special court to be set up to try those responsible. Like, who is trying to see that? About 110... Sorry. 110 (laughs) more people filed into the uh, courtroom in Manhattan today as potential jurors. (laughs) You know what I mean? What is that? You don't know what that is? Those are... Oh, 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 oh. Okay. But what, like, hold on. When I'm looking at, oh, there's more? Hmm. When I'm looking at that up close, (laughs) you see, like. I know. I don't want to see it up close. (sighs) Let's talk about the homeless. Yes. Well, first of all, let's give away a thousand bucks so people don't get For your chance at a thousand bucks, text the nationwide keyword. Talk, T-A-L-K, to 200-200. You'll get a confirmation text and info. Standard data and message rates apply in this nationwide contest. That's talk to 200-200. (laughs) I'm sorry, I showed you that. (laughs) Remember, you have to answer the phone if you don't. (laughs) I know I'm physically ill right now as well. As well, you have to answer the phone. If you don't, they will move on. Your next chance to win is next hour and every hour, Monday through Friday, 5 a.m. It's 6.20. 6.20 p.m. If you ever post something like that on an Instagram page. I would never do that. I will have you committed. I know. Well, I, this is why we have these talks. All right. Well, Governor Newsom has uh, started his homelessness tour. Similar to what I assume Antonio Villaraigosa did at some point. Remember, he had a listening tour. I this don't know is a little this... different. It's a little different. Well, he starts the uh, Gavin Newsom starts his homelessness tour in Grass Valley, which is rid- there, which is ridiculous. Lovely place, wonderful old gold mine town. I mean, it's, it's not, not quite what it used to be, but it. I, I, my grandparents lived there for a long it's time. It's beautiful. Love it. Uh, it's not ground zero for the homeless problem in California. He doesn't need to go further than San Francisco and Los Angeles to have a homelessness tour. And even if you want to pick out the top five most populous cities in the state to go through and do your tour, you know, San Francisco, L.A., San Diego, probably San Jose, and maybe Fresno, right? There you go. That's five. That right there is going to constitute probably 110,000 homeless people that you're going to be seeing. But he wanted to go there because his point was it's not just the big cities that have to deal with homelessness issues. Right. Listen, if you're homeless and you're in Grass Valley, chances are you're making choices that are bad. It's not that you're finding uh unrestricted rent rises as the reason that you're out on the street. There's a bit of a meth problem there, if yes, I remember, absolutely. in recent years. Another thing is, this is a town of about 12,000 people. Yeah. Um, this is not where you go for your homelessness tour. He will also, he says, go through San Francisco, Los Angeles, and other places in the Central Valley because they're also, you know, we've seen this uh, this endemic of homelessness increasing. I just want someone to ask the very simple questions. What has happened over the last, say, I don't know, 10 years? 10 years in the state of California that makes us, the state, and San Francisco and L.A. ground zeros for homelessness. 
Is it, it the economy? The economy is so is, horrible people can't find no, a job? No, no that's no. not it. It's our inability to give anybody any consequences for living on the street, as well as our complete ineptitude when it comes to taking care of people with mental health issues. Also, our enabling behavior when it beco- when it comes to addiction, putting needle disposable bins at Starbucks. It's a combination of those three things. Not addressing mental illness, enabling addicts, and not giving people consequences for crapping on the street. Okay, but wait, you didn't say anything about the high cost of housing. You well, didn't say anything about how how people can't survive on a $14 uh, an hour job. There are some people that have been absolutely put into, you know, we talk about it every year with Bruno and Katarina's Club that are living uh, hand to mouth, you know, in these motels and families that are unable to afford things because of whatever reason. Um, that is a, a section, but that's not the main problem. That's not the problem. And the thing is, there's going to be a reckoning when we reach. I don't know what that level is, but when we reach a critical level in terms of the population on the street, there will be a physical reckoning where there will be outbreaks of disease that we have not seen in hundreds of years because people do not live like this in North America. PG&E is so screwed up, the federal government is criticizing it. That's bad. That's the rich irony of the federal government telling somebody else they're screwed up. We'll talk about it when we come back. Gary and Channel will continue. You know it's fine, I go, Gary and Shannon, KFI AM 640, live everywhere on that iHeartRadio app. American Airlines says it's taking the Boeing 737 MAX out of its schedule for two more months until early June. That means American will cancel about 20,000 flights in the first five-plus months of the year. That's an acknowledgement just of the uncertainty that we're dealing with about when the MAX will fly again, if ever. It's been grounded since two crashes killed 346 people overnight. We told you yesterday about those emails that had come out between Boeing employees. Overnight, some more of them came out, and it came out that Lion Air, which was involved in one of the crashes, had requested to do simulator training before it had its pilots man the 737 MAX. Now, one of the selling points of the 737 MAX was if you were already trained on the 737, you would just have to take an easy like 30-minute computer course and then you'd be ready to go. That you would not need the expensive simulator training. And that was a huge selling point for Boeing because airlines were like, oh, great, that'll save us so much cash. Well, Boeing hid the fact that, hey, that sim training would have been handy. So there was an email that I read this morning between employees where one says oh, Lion Air wants to give its employees a sim training. And the other wrote back in all caps, what the F <laughs> spelled out the whole thing Wow, and was like, how can we stop this? Uh, we'll talk with uh, Alex Stone coming up in the one o'clock hour. More about that. Elizabeth Warren came out today ahead of the debate tonight with a new student loan debt cancellation program. She says that on the first day that she is president, she would order her secretary of education to cancel up to $50,000 in college debt for about 95% of student borrowers. So uh, effectively erase outstanding loans for uh, almost 40, 42 million people. Big news around the building is that you are not wearing our glasses anymore. And it's kind of 
capturing a lot Just of people's people for a loop. curiosity. Monica, what do you think? I miss the glasses. That's this consensus among the ladies I'm hearing. Wait a minute. This is 2020. Right. So we Can get we to objectify you. Oh, oh, oh. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. I didn't realize that we were <laughs> right. in that position Yes. Yet. We've okay. gone the other way. The pendulum has swung. And those frames were brand new, too. Those were yeah. new frames. We're just they getting were used incredibly to expensive. I can just change the lenses. If I need little readers, I can put some new lenses. But, I mean, people are talking about it in the hallways. Yeah. Uh, Susie on Facebook was demanding a picture of you, stat. <laughs> And I didn't want to object. Just go back to the old pictures of me that exist on the KFI website. There's yeah. some on there with me with no uh, glasses on. I support you either way. So the question Thank on the you. table is, are you going to switch it up from time to time with glasses that don't have anything in them just to appease the women? <laughs> appease the women? <laughs> well, Monica. No, some no. Other, some other women no, I heard <laughs> objectifying you in the hallway. No, I didn't mean it like that. I feel bad if that's the best part about Jesus. Women likes me. We don't need to bring Jesus into it. He did not wear glasses. Let's talk. We don't know that. Perfect vision. Uh, Pretty sure no one wore glasses two thousand years ago. Mm. Did they have some sort of vision enhancers in the form of? They would squint. That was Mm. their glasses. I think. I think we've probably evolved to being weaker and having weaker eyesight and things. We're a weak race. We are a weak race. Time to just roll through here and clean it all up. PG&E and the U.S. government are not getting along. This latest fight is over whether PG&E should be allowed to get a bunch of federal money back. This is a ridiculous... A female administrator is absolutely pissed off at PG&E for good reason. Um, The San Francisco Chronicle was talking about how... FEMA may get, um, may try to get repayment of a portion of the almost $4 billion that it incurred in the fires from the victims if it can't get the money from PG&E. So they're saying that the government may ask you for money to help cover the costs, and that includes some of the people who's, who lost their homes and in some cases lost family members as a result of the fires. Because PG&E is scrambling to come out of its bankruptcy protection by the end of June. So a $13.5 billion settlement would require FEMA and other California agencies to try to cover their wildfire expenses from the same bank account that was set up for the individuals and the businesses that were hit by the fires that destroyed tens of thousands of homes and businesses. And remember, it was PG&E's fault that those fires began, faulty equipment and the like. FEMA believes it's going to have to try and get up to $200 million from fire victims that are also tapping into that same settlement. So what a pu- public relations disaster. Right, because they become the bad guy in all of this. When even FEMA's like, listen, we may not be the best students in the class, but we're not killing people. Right. We're not PG&E. Uh, the um, the ad- a regional administrator, a guy named Robert Fenton, also said uh, that he's pretty in, uh, pretty pissed off. He's trying to force to seek money from the $13.5 billion settlement, even though FEMA was excluded from the negotiations that came up with the deal in the first place. And, and FEMA being the federal arm of whatever emergency response was going to be 
Why were they not let uh, into the room for those negotiations? Brenda Wright is a fire victim of 2018, and she wrote in a recent letter to a U.S. bankruptcy judge, FEMA doesn't deserve any of this money. Please man up and do the right thing for us. So it's PG&E's failures that continue that are now taking another agency down. Not that FEMA has a stellar reputation, but that's a really bad look. Um. Here's life lesson. I, I, we come up with these every once in a while. I feel like we've done these before. Don't go hiking. Well, go hiking. But no, don't no, even... no, no, no. I think we need, just need to listen. Don't go hiking. Okay. Just keep it simple like that. Because if you're going to push through and ignore our warnings. Yeah. You kind of get what you you got coming to. It's you. Darwinism, really. But it's it feels like more and more and more hikers are not prepared to do the hiking. Yeah. So don't go hiking. This is why we can't have nice things. This is why you can't have nature that's on unmarked roads. Gary and Shannon will continue. Well, what what happens in Rumspringa stays in Rumspringa. Good Lord. The kids are experimenting. Oh, hey, do I need a new picture for that? What's they up know? with that picture? Come on, that was funny. You remember who were you trying was to be? You were yes. trying to be funny? I was trying to be funny. Who are you trying to be? I don't know. But you remember who took those pictures. The, the picture on our security badge shows me, but I have glasses on in that picture. It's like, You shouldn't even one. be let into the building. Yeah. I don't remember who took those pictures. Um. Well, I'll tell you. Oh, was it Gene? Yeah. Okay. KFI AM 640 Live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. We'll do our trending stories coming up at the top of the hour. Also, uh, terror in the skies. The strange things that people put in their checked bags. Swamp Watch is coming up at 1230. We'll be talking about Washington, D.C. And, of course, all of the happenings around the impeachment process, but also getting ready for debate in uh, Drake University or at Drake University in Des Moines, Iowa. At the I same miss time, Ernie. President's given his campaign stop in Milwaukee. Ernie's listening. Ernie was so good at spelling. You know what Ernie was really good at? Just all of it. Just not being dumb. He's just a no-nonsense guy. Like, don't... He'd walk around here, like, almost like the Sam the Eagle from the Muppets, where he'd just walk... He'd poke his head out every once in a while, and he'd walk past you, and he'd just go like this. He'd go, hey... Don't be an idiot. Right. I mean, that right. was a look he gave you. You and know you what? Just, you People knew you didn't be- want to be an idiot around him. People behaved better around here when Ernie was here because yeah. you didn't mess around with that guy. There was a fear that he was going to out you. He could kill you or with his bare hands. Just grab you by the back of the shirt, the scruff of the neck, and walk outside. We don't need people like you around here. He Get out of here. You know who he was like? He was like Chuck Connors. That is a good point. He could have dressed up as Chuck Connors for Halloween. And we not we would have thought that Chuck Connors was back from the dead. Hey, Carmen, on Facebook at Gary and Shannon says, Gary is effing hot. Tell him he better own that S. So there you go. Carmen. Mm-hmm. It... <laughs> you want me to dig around? No, no, she no, no. She looks totally oh, it's normal. A she. Is yeah. she going to slide question. into yeah. your DMs? Likely not. <laughs> Is she the one who's been sending you partial nudes? Probably not. <clears throat> Why are you making me uncomfortable? All right. Sorry. <laughs> but anyway, Ernie would say things like this. He'd walk past the hall, past you in the hall and he'd go like this. Don't go hiking. <laughs> yes. Especially if you're an idiot. 
Which so, is, yeah, but I mean, he would assume that everybody was, so just he would just say it to everybody. That's true. Don't go hiking. Several hikers needed rescuing in the Mount Baldy area last week. And we're getting these stories more and more and more. Rescuers say, listen, dumbasses, don't attempt to climb Mount Baldy in the winter without the right equipment. You know, when you look up at Mount Baldy, you see all that snow? That should tell you that you need crampons, right? The, those things you put on your feet that help you walk on oh, ice. Oh, 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 that's not what I thought I heard you say, but go on. Yes. What did you think I said? I don't know. Metal spikes on your shoes. Got right. It. Right. Okay. About 2.30 on Friday, there was a couple people in their late 20s, and they were hiking the Devil's Backbone Trail east of the Mount Baldy Summit. Extremely icy conditions. Nick, you have hiked Devil's Backbone. Isn't that the one with the drop-off on both sides? It's very steep. And let me tell you, when there's ice on those slopes, you don't you don't tango with the Devil's Backbone. It is very steep. You are a wordsmith today. Thank you. I would never go up there this time of year. One of the men. And you're an experienced hiker. Yeah. And even still, uh, it's a very high traffic area hike. That makes sense. Sure. There's a lot of people up there. Very narrow uh, trail parts. So just don't go up there when there's snow. One of the men trying to traverse the devil's backbone slipped and slid about 200 feet down an ice chute before he hit a tree. And his hiking partner had to call for help. So a fire captain by the name of Jay Hausman gets to save this dumbass. He has to be hoisted about 65 feet down to the injured hiker and put that idiot in a rescue harness. And they take off. Wait a minute. What about the friend? You know, the friend that called because his buddy slipped down the ice? Glad you asked. That dumbass then realized he was in the same danger of slipping on the ice, so he calls again for help. Wait a minute. If, 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 if Bob if Bob if Bob slipped down the ice down devil's backbone, then maybe I I I I could slip down the ice on Devil's backbone. Wait, don't go The crew returned and conducted another hoist rescue, taking the second man to a nearby sheriff's station. What do what, now? Listen, a few hours the later, men and, the men and women who do search and rescue in those mountains are badasses, right? Yes, and they would never. Hello, they would never say to you, "Don't hike those trails." They would never say that. They would make sure you're okay. They'd ask if you needed water or food, or you know, would you like us to call somebody to let them know you're okay? They would be the nicest people in the world, right? At the same time. In the back of their minds, I would hope they're saying to you, why are you such an idiot? So a couple hours after those two are rescued, the next crew heads to the Ice House Canyon area of Mount Baldy because there's a lost guy from Santa Ana, 26 years old, there. So they have to put on night vision goggles. They find him a few miles from the trailhead at 8,000 feet elevation, steep, mountainous terrain. It's covered in snow and ice. Temperatures had plummeted to near freezing. The man, I guess, had apparently traveled two hours in the snow at night before stopping because his feet started hurting Mm. because of hypothermia. Frostbite, dumbass. He told the rescuers that he had hiked the trail before. I've been out there before. But I did not know that it would be cold up in the mountains. He said he hadn't considered how the winter weather would intensify the difficulty of the hike. No, that's not what he said. What he said was, I did not know it would be cold in the mountains. (laughs) He didn't consider how winter weather would intensify the difficulty of the trek. Just don't go to Mount Baldy. No, just no. We need a blanket. Just don't go hiking.
just don't go hiking. Maybe in, on May 1st we'll change our policy, but up until this time, up until that time, just don't go hiking. Because you're going to see, unfortunately, you put other people's lives at risk. We saw this. Remember that guy, the 52-year-old guy from Irvine? He's still out there, by the way. He's still out there. He's Jack Nicholson outside that hedge maze at the end of The Shining. We had to, by the way, we had to call off the search for that because a 32-year-old search rescue volunteer lost his life while searching for him. Nanette wrote to us at Gary and Shannon, Gary's most attractive feature is his mind. Is that a good compliment or a bad one? How do you feel? Um, Did I tell you? Well, you'll have to ask my wife that. <laughs> okay. Um, it's a slick way of saying, telling these women you're married. No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> That's not. The Amish. We'll talk trending and a great story from Amish country up next. Home, where families connect and memories are made. Find your new home with PenFed, a mortgage partner who brings confidence and value to your home buying experience. They offer low rates and no lender fees and can even help you find a real estate agent through their trusted partners. Let PenFed bring you home. Visit PenFed.org slash home or call 1-800-970-7766. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA, equal housing lender. Carmen wrote back to us. Carbon said, LOL, I'm totally normal. I saw you guys at the News and Brews in Downey, so I can comfortably say Gary is hot. Don't fight it, Gary. And then uh, Deanna wrote, Shannon's ability to make Gary squirm on the air has kept me captivated lately. (laughs) Productivity between 10 and 2 isn't optimal. (laughs) What a nice compliment. Are you all right? I'm fine. I'll stop objectifying you or talking about all the women like Monica who have been objectifying no, you no. in the hallway. You know what? I'm not answering any more of your questions on the air. If really? this is it's what's going to happen. It's a trap. You're still mad it about It is a that. trap. You're still mad that I called you a troll. Yeah. I know. I know what this is about. Yeah. You know I love you. Do you? Troll, but she meant troll like gatekeeper. <laughs> you know I love you. <laughs> I was yelling that. <laughs> I don't know. It seems like it's more effective that way, though, right? That's how I show my love. Forcing yeah. them into I loving you by yelling at them. I felt it. Good. Hey, what else is going on? Time for What's Happening. News out of Iran is that they have arrested some people. We don't know who and we don't know how many, but they've arrested some people for the accidental shootdown of that Ukrainian passenger plane. All 106, uh, 176 people on board were killed when that plane took off from Tehran last week. Um, of course, the shootdown came just hours after they lobbed a bunch of uh, missiles into Iraqi bases where Americans were stationed last Wednesday. But at that point, uh, still to this point, no serious injuries on, on our side in that. Um, but again, we don't know who 
in terms of names, there are no identities, and we don't know how many people were arrested for the shootdown. Talk to you about the heartbreaking death of Detective Amber Leist, who was hit and killed by a car on Sunday in Valley Village. She was off duty, and she had stopped to help a woman who stumbled in the crosswalk. She was walking back to her car when she was hit. 12-year Department of the Veteran leaves behind two boys. A candlelight vigil is scheduled to begin tonight at 7 at that intersection of Whitsitt Avenue and Riverside Drive. Of course, candles and flowers have been piling up. The husband of the woman who fell expressed gratitude for her help, saying right in the middle of the intersection, she stops and she came and my wife is too heavy to lift by, by himself and that this detective just lifted her right up. I don't know if it's better or worse in terms of the feelings because they're horrible when you lose a detective like this who was literally, I mean, just the epitome of a Good Samaritan act to help an old woman across the street. The driver of the car that hit her did remain at the scene and did try to help, according to the LAPD, but she died at the hospital. Uh, Well, we have a new national champion when it comes to college football. The uh, Louisiana State University Tigers, LSU Tigers, beat up on Clemson last night, 42 to 25. We went through the story of Joe Burrow earlier in the day about how he came from such a a poor area. And when he accepted the Heisman, talked about to all of those kids that are still there saying, I know that you have kids with, you know, your kids there. You don't have a lot of food on the table when you come home, but I'm proof that you can get out. Uh, Called one of the most hardworking, toughest guys in college football celebrated last night with a cigar and if you haven't seen the picture it's iconic it's great apparently it's weird to me it looked weird like i don't i know he's oh, it's I just loved an it. odd it's anyway. so louisiana and then he said uh, apparently a cop walked into the lsu locker room because a bunch of them were smoking cigars and said dead seriously that everyone smoking a cigar is subject to arrest <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Vince Vaughn was at that game last night, uh, the uh, LSU-Clemson game in New Orleans at the Superdome, as was President Trump and the First Lady Melania. Well, at one point, Vince Vaughn is seen chatting up the president, shaking hands with him. Uh, It wasn't a very long thing. He's not a Trump supporter. Uh, In fact, he was a Ron Paul, Rand Paul guy over the last several election cycles. God forbid you shake another human's hand, even if you disagree with them. God forbid. Why aren't we all on our own corners of the ring here? We're never going to get anywhere not talking to each other, not extending that hand. I, uh, this to me is the irony of where we are and i i think it's weird that we're as close to it as as anybody and i mean physically we're as close to hollywood as anybody and these people will lose their minds over ricky gervais making fun of hollywood stars but again i don't even think it's necessarily the people in the room who are losing their minds it's the people who feel like they should be outraged that ricky gervais points out their hypocrisy in this case it's not Vince Vaughn, it's the people who think Vince Vaughn should be upset by all of this. It's, I don't, it's silly. Stephen King has our viewpoint when it comes to diversity with the Oscars. He wrote on Twitter, as a writer, I'm allowed to nominate in just three categories, best picture, best adapted screenplay, and best original screenplay. For me, the diversity issue, as it applies to individual actors and directors anyway, did not come up. He said, that said, I would never consider diversity in matters of art, only quality. It seems to me that to do otherwise would be wrong. That's exactly our point that we made yesterday. 
Well, I don't. What I don't like, Ava DuVernay came out and said, when you wake up, you meditate, you stretch, you reach for your phone and check on the world and see a tweet from someone you admire that is so backward and ignorant that you want to go back to bed. That's what she said. She didn't lay out a reason as to why Stephen King was wrong. You know, she didn't give her opinion as to why he was wrong in all of that. His his point, he goes on and says, listen, the most important thing we can do as artists and creative people is make sure everyone has the same fair shot, regardless of sex or color or orientation. Right now, such people are badly underrepresented and not only in the arts. In LaGrange County, Indiana, the Amish are causing a problem. Let's go uh, to the local news there, shall we? Just off State Road 5 in LaGrange County is a neighborhood that's no stranger to the Amish. But over the weekend, hundreds of Amish kids arrived to party. Brenda Jones says she didn't hear it, but saw the aftermath on her way to church. We just saw a lot of uh, beer cans lying on the, and cups and stuff all over the yard, and just a lot of vehicles are parked in the morning. Jones says this is normally a quiet, family-friendly place. It's a little disheartening to know that that's happening in our neighborhood so close to our home. Especially with young children, we don't really want them to be influenced by that. LaGrange County Sheriff's deputies broke up this party and another nearby. Chief Deputy Tracy Harker says they're a mess for neighbors. They're also dangerous to the partygoers. We have several of these kids that are, some are barely 15, 16 years old, you know, and they, they're out experimenting with. No, they're not experimenting because the B-roll will tell you. They know how to do it. That all those kids were drinking was Tecate Light and Michelob Ultra. Hell, Mike Pencil put down three Michelob Ultras with a woman in the room. No, watch your mouth. So anyway, the takeaway is LaGrange County, Indiana is the place where you want to live if the local news is covering a couple Amish kids out in a field drinking a Tecate Light. What happens in Rumspringa stays in Rumspringa. When we come back, we'll be talking <laughs> about terror in the skies and your chance at a 1000 bucks. Gary and Shannon will continue. Gary and Shannon, KFI AM640, live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. Tonight, debate in Iowa, the seventh Democratic primary debate. Last one before the Iowa caucuses. We'll talk with Trevor Alt coming up at uh, the beginning of Swamp Watch at 1230 about all that. Of course, a big topic of conversation is going to be impeachment. Speaker Nancy Pelosi says the House will vote tomorrow on a resolution to transmit the articles of impeachment. Timing of this is going to be interesting to see because... Remember, the House Speaker did invite the President to deliver the State of the Union address on Tuesday, February 4th. So I wonder if that's going to be going on in the middle of uh, in the middle of the Senate impeachment trial. So that could be a big deal. Got a couple of troubling stories from above after a thousand dollars. For your chance at a thousand bucks, text the nationwide keyword bank, B-A-N-K, to 200-200. You'll get a confirmation text and info. Standard data and message rates apply in this nationwide contest. That's bank to 200-200. And remember, you got to answer the phone. If you don't, they will move on. So will your $1,000. Looks like the number is going to be coming from a 513 area code. Your next chance to win next hour, 20 after the hour. Every day here, Monday through Friday, 5 a.m. through 620. If I'm not mistaken, you were going to say something about terror in the skies. 
Flight 209, you are cleared for takeoff. Roger. Get off my plane. Roger, Roger. What's our vector, Victor? Enough is enough! I have had it with these monkey-fighting snakes on this Monday to Friday plane! It's Gary and Shannon's Terror in the Skies on KFI. You know, when you get on to a jetliner... Yes. You are, to a degree, trusting all those people who have also gotten onto that same plane. Have you ever flown into or out of Bandaranaike International Airport in Sri Lanka? I have not. Ah, well, our friend that we're going to talk about, 30-year-old man, was on a plane at Bandaranaike International Airport uh, on Sri Lankan Air- Airlines. You know, you've got to trust those people to to bring appropriate things on board. right. You know, you don't Maybe want a magazine, them, a magazine. You don't want them to have brought a, a bomb. Right. You don't want them to have brought, you know, body parts. And you're also assuming that security, if they did decide to bring those things on there, that security might go, eh, you know, we don't do that anymore. We're going to we're not going to do that. Well, this gentleman decided to bring on board 200 live scorpions. During the questioning, the 30-year-old man admitted that he was illegally transporting the animals from different countries into China for breeding and selling. He said he traveled to various parts of Sri Lanka in search of scorpions, guided by the information that he received from the tuk-tuks, those uh, three-wheeled taxi drivers. Um, Is there a big market for, for scorpions? Scorpions, yes. Apparently... Controlled doses of scorpion venom can help in the treatment of arthritis, multiple sclerosis, cancer, and lupus. Uh Uh-huh. Yes. Interesting. He was only detained and fined about $550. Totally, totally fined. Um, This is different, uh, and it probably would not have happened on an airplane, but in Sri Lanka, eight people were charged with sailing, selling, not sailing, selling baby elephants to people. Oh, I love baby elephants. Symbol. Yeah, but they get big. Yeah. Okay. Here's a creepy story. Yes. A girl by the name of Ashley Barno was in a boarding area at San Diego International awaiting her flight to Chicago when she gets a message on her phone. She doesn't recognize the number. And they're like, hey, how are you doing? By the way, BT dubs, I must tell you that you are gorgeous. She's like, um, and who is this? And he's like, and he's she's like, how'd you get my number? And he's like, you guess, question or, or exclamation point. And he writes her in a next in the next text message. I just saw you at the airport again. Uh-oh. You're looking very gorgeous in that gray top today. Nope. Apparently. <laughs> she, she was wearing a gray shirt. She looks around the gate area, glances over her shoulder. She's terrified. This guy. <clears throat> This guy had gotten her number apparently from a luggage tag? Yes. A luggage tag. The messages continued even after she got on the plane. This he, is this is weird, she wrote to him. He eventually identified himself as Ahmad. Saw said that he saw her get onto the plane and he watched silently as she passed his aisle 15 seat. He also told her, "Hey, if you need help getting a better seat, I can do it. You want to sit next to me? And he asks twice, what's your seat number? Now, she's smart enough not to tell him, 
He told uh, he told her he'd like to chat the whole flight and then send another plea. Will you join me? I have two seats open next to oh, me. Oh, the worst. Eventually, um, she told a flight attendant what was going on, flagged the flight attendant down and said, the crazy guy who's sending these text messages that are unsolicited is sitting a few rows ahead of me, and I'm not sure where. She was in tears. She said the flight attendant was very kind and made sure that they were seated in different parts of the plane and would come in and check in very frequently. But then he kept texting. He kept saying stuff like, friendship with me will be very beneficial to you. I can always give you good seats, accesses to lounges, and free flights, too. Why, guys? Because he works for American Airlines. Oh, and the flight attendant says to her, this is not the first time he's done this. Oh, So she's going to win a lot of money from American Airlines. And I don't know if I'm just going to go out on a limb and say that guy doesn't work for American anymore. No, he does not. All right, right. Swamp Watch when we come back. Gary and Shannon will continue. Gary and Shannon, KFI AM640, live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. What's the matter? Well, there was apparently a Pocahontas text message Uh-oh. that was sent through Bernie Sanders' volunteer text messaging system. Uh-oh. Sanders' campaign tells the AP that it believes the text message came from a rogue Sanders campaign volunteer believed to be a supporter of the president. And the campaign has removed the individual from its system. But an image of the text was posted to Twitter by a pro-Warren fundraising group. And everyone is freaking out about it. Uh-oh. It referred to Elizabeth Warren as Pocahontas. Uh-oh. <clears throat> well, that's a, it's a good place to start Swamp Watch. Drain the swamp. We're going to drain the swamp of Washington. We're going to have fun doing it. We're all doing it together. Swamp Watch. 12.30 every day we jump into what's going on in politics and uh, Washington, D.C. But today the highlight is going to be in the uh, upper Midwest. Drake University in Des Moines, Iowa, is going to host the seventh Democratic primary debate. At the same time, the president is going to be in Milwaukee holding a campaign stop up there. Trevor Alt is joining us covering the debate for ABC and for KFI. Trevor, what's going on? How are we doing? Uh, right now inside the spin room waiting for what should certainly be an interesting debate, particularly uh, with what you guys are talking about there between Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren, among other things. Yeah, they there was a discussion about, maybe you can update us on this, a discussion about a private conversation that uh, the senators had, Warren and Sanders, where uh, Elizabeth Warren characterized it by saying that Bernie Sanders told her a woman can't win the presidency. Um, has he been able to shoot back at that at all? Yeah, so essentially how this story broke was that sources had said that this was a conversation in 2018 between the two senators. They were talking about how they wanted to handle both of them running for president. And those sources said, Bernie Sanders essentially said, let's be honest, a woman can't win in 2020. So that came out. Bernie Sanders denied it immediately. He said it was ludicrous. 
uh, and his uh, his campaign officials essentially came out and said, there's no way Bernie Sanders said this. Maybe the senator or her, or her campaign officials got their wires crossed or this is a misunderstanding, but he didn't say it. Then Senator Warren came out and said, we had a conversation. We we're talking about 2020. I said I thought a woman could win, and Senator Sanders disagreed. Now, this is the first time, really, that we've seen any type of public disagreement between Senators Warren and Bernie Sanders, and it's happening right before this debate. It will absolutely come up here tonight, and it's going to be interesting to watch how they handle this, because I don't necessarily know that either of the senators wants to be seen publicly fighting with the other because they each need that progressive base in the Democratic Party. But it's not going to be something that they can come out and ignore. They've played nice so far, but they've got to separate themselves. And I think that all of the 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 issues that we've heard about a woman can't win and Pocahontas and all that is kind of laying the groundwork for maybe a change in strategy for both of them. Right. I mean, that was always the big question is how long can you run for president where you essentially have an alliance with another candidate, especially when the platforms appear to be so similar? We could finally see uh, that break up, especially with the fact that this is going to be the fewest number of candidates we've seen on a Democratic debate stage so far. There's only six candidates that have qualified tonight. They will certainly have to differentiate themselves. I wouldn't necessarily be surprised if they still kind of tiptoed around it, uh, just because I don't know if necessarily they, either senator sees a long-term benefit to attacking the other one. But you are absolutely right. And by now, you need to differentiate yourself with uh, only three weeks left before the Iowa caucus happens. And the the uh, polls that have been coming out of Iowa have been a little all over the place in terms of who's ahead, who's gaining ground, who's losing ground. Mm-hmm. Right. The the latest one had Bernie Sanders at the top, but only with about 20 percent. Essentially, the top four candidates are all clustered pretty closely together. And this is a wide open race. The previous Des Moines Register poll had Pete Buttigieg at the top. He then receded about nine percentage points. We are really getting down to the wire here where, where we're listening to like the closing arguments, the final statements before this Iowa caucus. Uh, and it really is almost entirely up for grabs. So I think what you're going to be seeing here tonight, hopefully, um, for the, for the sake of uh, differentiating the candidates, we'll get some more hardy debate than what we've seen in the past, especially with fewer candidates on the stage. But I think you're just going to be seeing a lot of pitches towards the Midwest, towards those Iowa voters, because we've seen how important in the past Iowa is for jumpstarting that 2020 campaign and getting momentum going. We've got six people on the debate stage, but six more that continue to run. Do we know what they have planned for tonight? A lot of them have other events happening in Iowa or certainly are monitoring it closely, just like President Trump has his event happening in Milwaukee, too. So they're definitely not giving in. Uh, We've seen the field thinning a little bit. Senator Cory Booker dropped out just the other day. Uh, But I know that a a few other candidates are not giving up at all. Uh, Andrew Yang is still around, hoping to maybe get on to further debate stages. And then you have, of course, other candidates, um, former New York City Mayor Michael Bloomberg, who's just not even trying to get on the debate stage because you need to hit a threshold of individual donors and he's funding his own campaign, he's looming around too. So this doesn't necessarily show that the field is thinning entirely, even though the Democratic voters that I talk to are ready for it to get down to basically one or two candidates and figure something out because that appears to be the overwhelming message. Maybe the debate will help with that, but I would say for at least a couple of weeks, we're going to wait and see what the Iowa results are before Uh, we finally see that field start to thin. All right, Trevor, thank you. Appreciate it. Thank you. Trevor Altair live in Des Moines, Iowa, with the latest on tonight's debate. Uh, Again, the six 
remaining candidates, or at least the six that qualified for the debate, will be on that stage tonight. Andrew Yang had a debate eve rally that attracted a crowd far larger than those who have turned out recently for other candidates. He's killing it when it comes to fundraising, but it's not translating to enough polls for him to make it back onto the debate stage. Hey, he added a couple of people, too. We'll talk about Andrew Yang and the people that he's adding to uh, to his, at least his endorsement list, and some people who have decided that they want to work alongside and become Yang bangers. Hashtag debate so white. I still oh. can't get on board with the Yang banger thing. What were you going to say, Monica? She was just going to express dismay. At the, oh, Yang Bang? Yeah. Isn't it Yang Gang? Oh. Oh, is it? Well, I'm not going to say Yang Gang Bang. That sounds no. really bad. Oh, wow. Oh, gee. Oh, wow. Now Nick's pissed at you. Swamp Watch will continue in just a moment. Yeah. Oh, I've been shaking. I love it when you go crazy. You take all my inhibitions. Baby, there's nothing holding me back. You take me places. I've got breaking. Political news, local political news. Gary and Shannon, KFI AM 640 Live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. Ready for it? This is from L.A. City Council President Nuri Martinez today. Okay. Women don't only give birth to babies. We shape humanity. We raise the Albert Einsteins, the Dolores Huertas, the Martin Luther Kings, and the Ruth Bader Gingriches of the world. <laughs> I'm sorry? Uh, the Ruth Bader Gingriches of the and world? The Ruth Bader Gingriches of the world. Women don't only give birth to babies. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> Ruth Bader Gingriches. And they births babies. They give births to babies. That is your L.A. City Council president, ladies and gentlemen. Huh. Well, what do you know? Ruth Bader Gingriches. Uh, we found out uh, that... Andrew Yang picked up, I think it was last week, he picked up the endorsement of Donald Glover, Childish Gambino, who now says that he is going to be the Yang Bangers uh, creative consultant going forward for the, the 2020 Yang campaign. The Yang Gangers. That's what I said. You said Yang Bangers again. <laughs> and do you know who else uh, is uh, is attaching his trailer to the Yang Banging truck? I do. Dave Chappelle. Dave Chappelle. If you haven't seen Dave Chappelle's latest stand-up, by the way, you're doing yourself a disservice. Right, which, I mean, in all outstanding. honesty, that's not what makes him uh, important in terms – I mean – No, but I was crying the entire time. Hilarious. Fantastic. Yes. Dave Chappelle is iconic. But when you type in the uh, – when you type in the words hashtag debate so white, um, one of the first things that comes up is Andrew Yang and – the Dave Chappelle endorsement that comes with it. On Monday night, last night, debate eve, there was even more evidence of this groundswell for Andrew Yang. There are about 700 people, many of them in the campaign signature math hats and Yang gang t-shirts that were crammed into a ballroom on the second floor at Drake University. And there was just a massive crowd uh, bigger than a lot of his opponents have been able to draw recently. And unfortunately, it was just a few buildings away from where the debate will be held. To qualify for the debate, candidates need to hit 5% in four polls approved by the DNC. So those are either in national polls or in early voting states polls, or 7% in two early states polls, plus they have to raise money for blah, blah. There's a whole algorithm deal. Well, 
he easily met the fundraising goals, but failed to meet the polling threshold. He only hit 5% in two polls. His team has repeatedly complained about the rules. And there's a lot of frustration that the DNC is not being flexible and that they're ignoring this groundswell of support that he has been able to pull together in the fourth quarter. I wonder, you know, we clearly the the party, the Democratic Party got in trouble four years ago for fixing the game for Hillary Clinton. And it would be hard for me to believe that they're not also trying to fix the game, not necessarily in favor of one of the top three or four candidates, although it looks like Joe Biden is really at up to this point. Joe Biden has been the savior for their party. I wonder if there are people who say, you know, we're not going to we're not going to choose who gets it, but we're definitely going to make sure that that person or those people don't get it. Does that make sense? Yes. Like Tulsi Gabbard. Tulsi Gabbard is somebody who in a general election appeals a lot more to Republicans and independents than other Democratic candidates do. But they do not want that. The Democratic Party does not want Tulsi Gabbard out there representing the Democratic Party. And I wonder if they feel the same way about Andrew Yang, because some of his policies that he's talked about are not following along the Democratic platform. He's got enough independent thought in there, uh, and libertarian at times, that he would not be a good face for the Democratic Party, capital D. Right. And I wonder if that's the case. I wonder if they're, they're pulling the strings. It wouldn't surprise me. But – I'd like to see that guy continue to go. He's at least got conversation starters worth the uh, policies that are that are worth talking about. Um, we should do this. Uh, maybe we'll do this again t- tomorrow. We've put, uh, the campaign oh. spouses. Yes, we keep. Uh, I just there was one line I wanted to to, to say because I thought it was very funny as I read through this again. I didn't notice it the first time I went through it. Um, Bernie Sanders' wife, Jane, has been uh, obviously now this is her second go around because her husband's running for president again. And she said something in this article in the Washington Post that made me laugh out loud. It says that, you know, we've got all of these different candidates that are running now and all of them and their spouses, partners, husbands, wives, whatever, uh, are in sort of the background. And when they meet in one big event like a debate tonight – the spouses are all backstage just kind of hanging out with each other. Right. Right. It's a weird club that they belong to. And even Jane Sanders said that the vibe this year is far more collegial than it was four years ago. I bet. Because because who's back there? Who's backstage? Bill Clinton. Bill Clinton and Jane Sanders. I can't imagine that there's much conversation to be had between those two people because Bill Clinton thinks he's the king. And thinks that his wife is going to be, you know, he's annoyed at the fact that Bernie Sanders was still in the race. And Jane Sanders isn't his type. So anyway, well, tomorrow we'll talk more about this. The the, the very ungrounded lives of these 2020 campaign spouses and what it is that they have to go through when their loved one decides to run for president. No, I think the scope of his type is a lot bigger than you think. Okay. Not a lot of discrimination there. I suppose. All right, when we come back. Boeing is in bigger trouble today than it was yesterday. Our Boeing hawk, Alex Stone, is going to join us to talk more about this. Coming up next on Gary and Shannon.
Gary and Shannon, KFI AM 640, live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. It's Tuesday. It's January 14th. You hear about those kids? Yeah, they got Kuday? Dumped, dumped on. Good Lord. Plane was coming into LAX and was dumping fuel and it landed on a bunch of kids. It's a problem. The uh, House is expected to vote tomorrow to send the articles of impeachment against the president to the Senate. The, president, uh, the House Speaker made the announcement today in a meeting with Democrats from the House. Um, Mitch McConnell has said that the trial could start next week, but that most of the significant proceedings would be Tuesday. There's a uh, Martin Luther King holiday break that's coming up. Plus the timing of it around whether or not uh, or around the scheduled State of the Union address by the president could be imp- important because that's going to be Tuesday, February 4th. Oh, well, I was reading more about Boeing this morning and about those emails we talked to you first about yesterday that showed that there are Boeing employees talking about the issues with the 737 MAX even before the two crashes wiped out 346 people. It looks like Lion Air was one of the airlines that had asked Boeing or had inquired Boeing about sim training, simulator training on the 737 MAX. And that did not go over well at Boeing because one of the major selling points was that pilots didn't have to have the expensive sim training. That if they were already ready to go on a 737, they would just do like a 30-minute computer course and they'd be ready for the MAX. And so when Boeing employees heard that Lion Air was inquiring about this, one of the responses was, in all caps, what the F spelled out completely. Uh, Just more troubling emails for Boeing and what has been a troubling year. Alex Stone is joining us to talk more about the story and about the, um, the bad numbers for Boeing. Alex, what's going on? Yeah, so uh, we got some new numbers today, and what it shows is that, yeah, 2019 was a rough year for Boeing. That Bo- Boeing is, for the first time in, they believe, about 30 years, posting negative numbers when it comes to airplane orders, that these uh, negative 87, that is what they ended 2019 in because they lost orders that, that had been placed at Boeing. And a lot of this goes back to the issues with the MAX in that, Customers have pulled out of that. They've pulled out uh, of other uh, types of Boeing aircraft that this was a a rough year for Boeing. So where do we go forward with this? Uh, American now joining United and canceling those MAX orders. Is this this plane ever going to be in the sky again? Or do they they rebrand it? Boeing says it's going to be, and uh, they don't show any sign that they're going to be rebranding it. Uh, Today, American Airlines matched what United did a couple of weeks ago and they bumped up their return date to no earlier than June, June 4th. So it's going to be a while. Southwest is still saying maybe April, but they'll probably end up matching what United and and American are doing as well. They need more time. Now that Boeing is saying that these pilots need simulator training, they're recommending it exactly in those emails, what internally Boeing was saying pilots did not need, that they only needed that 30 minutes on an iPad and they would be good to go. Now Boeing is saying, no, they do need that simulator training. That's going to be time. That's going to be effort that these airlines have to put in. So even when the plane is certified to fly again, then the airlines are going to have to do some work. And that's why they're now bumping up that that timeline, because they know that March or April, that's no longer realistic. They've got 
a lot they're going to have to do. Boeing itself may not hold the same place it did 30 years ago in the economy in the Pacific Northwest, but it is a massive, massive player up there employing thousands and thousands of people. Is there talk at all about uh, the government of Washington State or the the cities and counties in Seattle, uh, farther north to Everett, that they would do something to help out Boeing? Or is this just too big? You know, at this point, it seems like it's too big. Boeing got their new CEO yesterday. He put out a letter to employees saying these are our priorities. Number one priority is getting the MAX back in the air safely and then working with the regulators to do that. Interesting because Boeing under Dennis Mullenberg, the the previous CEO, they were criticized for trying to lead those regulators and not follow the regulators. But the the new CEO comes in and makes the point they're going to follow whatever regulators want, that whatever regulators need, that they're going to try to get the plane back up in the air. Back to those numbers for a moment. Not only did they end the year at negative 87, but in total across all their commercial aircraft, They only delivered 380 planes last year. Compare that to uh, Airbus. They delivered 863 aircraft. And Airbus has hundreds of new orders. Boeing has negative uh, 87. Uh, Airbus right now is the dominant player when it comes to an airplane manufacturer in the world. Boeing and Airbus had been neck and neck. They were fighting, going back and forth. You could definitely make the argument now that that Airbus is dominant based on what has gone on in the past year. I am not giving stock advice. Repeat, not giving stock advice. But Delta (laughs) does not have the 737 MAX in its fleet. And its fourth quarter numbers were huge. Uh, They made 21 percent more more money than they did the year before. They were up to four point eight billion yeah, but it does appear they just dumped fuel on uh, a couple of schools uh, landing at LAX a short time ago. That so, is true. Again, yeah, they're, not they're, giving stock advice. <laughs> no, their news may not be great today based on that. We still have to figure out what's going on there. If it really was fuel, looks like in the videos it was, and uh, if there really are any injuries. But but they're dealing with that right now. Yeah, they don't have the max. It's only United American and Southwest. They're dealing with it, and every time that they come out and say that They've got to make the return date later, which American did today and United had previously done. That means they're canceling that many more flights for United. That's about 100 flights a day. That's money. That's travel plans being disrupted. Now, typically, they're doing it so far out that then they can reschedule folks who are going to be on a max or impacted by uh, max cancellation and that, that those people who are traveling are still going to get to where they want to go. But it's a lot of money for the airlines, and they're going to be dealing with this, it looks like, for quite a while. Alex, thank you. Appreciate it. You got it. Thanks, guys. If you are looking, by the way, to uh, to buy a Boeing airplane, Mexico is selling one. Right. It's the uh, austerity plan, yeah. right, that they're going to get rid of the presidential plane. There's just one problem with that. Nobody wants it. <laughs> they had to fly it from Victorville back to Mexico. It had been on sale, like with a big for sale sign on it in Victorville. They said in the time that it sat in that hangar, it racked up more than a million dollars worth of maintenance costs. Nobody wants to buy it. At least no one individual or company wants to buy it. The president of Mexico even suggested giving it to the United States in exchange for uh, his words were like laboratories, ambulances, x-rays and tomographs and that they didn't get an answer. But if you're interested Right now, the price tag on that 787, uh, a Boeing Dreamliner, is I think it's at 130 million. So you get a couple of friends together, and you guys got a plane.
Well, Major League Baseball tries to clean up its act with some severe penalties for the Houston Astros yesterday. The Dodgers respond. The Astros who stole that World Series from the Dodgers. Talk about it. We come back. Gary and Shannon will continue in just a moment. Monica Ricks has an update. Oh, wait, before Monica, wait, wait. We also have $1,000 we're going to give away. We'll tell you how you can win it. Shannon, KFI AM 640, live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. Later tonight, the seventh Democratic presidential debate, the last one before the Iowa caucuses. Those will come up on February 3rd. It's also the last one before the Super Bowl. I mean, if that matters, I don't suppose it does. President also has has a a plan tonight for counter-programming. He's going to be live in Milwaukee with the 2020 campaign stop there. We got a thousand bucks to give away. Here's how you can win it. For your chance at a thousand bucks, text the nationwide keyword change, C H A N G E, to 200 200. You'll get a confirmation text and info. Standard data and message rates apply in this nationwide contest. That's change to 200 200. And remember, you got to pick up the phone. If you don't, they will move on. So will your money. It looks like that number is going to start with a 513 area code. Your next chance to win a thousand dollars is coming up next hour during the John and Ken show and every hour 5 a.m to 6 20 here on kfi monday through friday bottom of the hour we're going to be uh joined by neil saavedra host of the fork report for our tasty tuesday segment but um we're only three weeks away now three weeks away from four weeks away it looks like from pitchers and catchers reporting to spring training i was just talking to kevin figures down there at klac am 570 And he said there's a lot of angry Dodgers fans today as this news about Houston Astros stealing signs continues to permeate the sports world. It looks like it was a well-oiled machine that evolved from the beginning of the 2017 season. Now, I, I have never been a fan of blaming another team for my failure. Correct. I don't like the victimhood that exists in 2020. I don't like playing a victim. I don't like being a victim. I don't think it's good for yourself if you're constantly feeling victimized. And especially when you're not even on the team, you're a fan of the team (laughs) and you're like legitimately pissed off because you feel like that World Series was stolen from you. I just don't think it gets you anywhere attitudinally speaking. But. But this this sucks. This is an egregious (laughs) breach of not just. You know, the unwritten rules of of baseball. We talked with Fred Rogan when he was in here earlier this week uh, or late last week about what what this is, what it means. It's not illegal to steal signs in baseball. It's frowned upon. Nobody likes it when you do it. That's why they have such eccentric and um, exotic signals when it comes to calling pitches or sign, uh, you know, the base coaches when they're given signs for bunt or hit and run or steal, that sort of thing. Because it should be difficult to do. It's when you use technology to do it that people get pissed off. And in this case, the Astros were using their video replay room because they had a live camera feed from center field. You could look right into the catcher's crotch and see the signals that he was giving to the pitcher. 
And then somehow somebody in the dugout could relay that to the person in the batter's box. There's a couple of things about this that are, yes, it's cheating, but there's also a part of it that is hard to, to kind of wrap your head around. First of all, if you've never seen the statistics about how quickly a batter has to react to a pitch that is thrown to them. They have, I mean, split seconds to make a decision whether they're going to swing or not, and it becomes innate after a certain, you know, after playing for so many years. But if years. you know what pitch is coming. If you know what pitch is coming, it could change your how you react Absolutely. to it. What you're looking for, what you're expecting in terms of the spin of the ball, the speed of the ball, all of that. Um, Alex Cora, at the time, the Astros bench coach, who then went on to play, uh, or went on to coach the uh, manage the Boston Red Sox, also are dealing with a similar cheating scandal. He was a guy who would call the replay review room on the replay phone and get the sign information. And then either he or a player would make a signal of some kind to somebody in the batter's box. And the most often uh, credited thing was taking a bat and banging a garbage can in the dugout. Yeah, uh, one or two bangs would correspond to certain off-speed pitches, while no bang corresponded to a fastball. Uh, Philadelphia Fox 29 interviewed the trash can this morning in a bizarre interview. Here's a little bit of it. I know that your nickname is TC. TC, thanks for coming in. We appreciate it. a trash can? Uh, I mean, we can't have this kind of garbage in Major League Baseball. It's kind of a trashy thing to do. Uh, How are you feeling about it? Are you implying this is my fault? I'm just doing my job. I mean, I'm just sitting there, and I just beat over and over and over. Nobody cares about my feelings. I take me two years to get all the dents out. Literally, this is a Philadelphia television station with a trash can in the studio and the two anchors interviewing the trash can. That was the end of it, right? They just did one question, one answer, and called it funny. Nope. I mean, it's the worst job in sports. Have you ever seen a baseball dugout? They never use me. There's stuff all over the floor. I'm sitting there wanting to be used, wanting to help, and they don't. Even, and then you're going to apply, apply this is my fault? Well, you you were a part of it. I know you're being paid by the Astros, but I mean, you, you can't throw your life away like this. No, and now, now what do I do? I'm in the trash can protection program. I'm trying to come back from this, and. All I did was sit there, and I thought I was going to be part of the team. I thought I was going to help them keep their area clean. And what did they do? They took a stick to me, Mike. They took a stick to me. It's a dark time in Philadelphia when the Eagles aren't in the playoffs, guys. Apparently, they've got nothing. Some producer needs to, to be canned. Like Get that? it? Like that? Get it? Canned? Oh! Uh, the, you mentioned whatever happened to Alex Cora. Uh, yeah, Major why League does Baseball, he still have his job? Major League Baseball says that they will not punish him until they finish their investigation into the allegations against the Red Sox also. Oh, okay. So, so he could he, be banned from baseball. I was just going to say, he may be banned for I, life. I wouldn't be surprised. And and while we're on it, bring back Rose. Pete Rose. Yes, I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> I mean, all he did was... I, dude, I haven't done a Pete Rose rant since, like, the first year of this show. I'm due. Well, like I said, pitchers and catchers report soon enough. You'll be dude. able to warm up that old Pete Rose love. All right, Tasty Tuesday when uh, Neil Savager is going to join us in just a few minutes. Six forty live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. Big stories today: The House Speaker has announced the House will vote tomorrow 
on a resolution to transmit the articles of impeachment. That means that um, the Senate could start trial, could, by the end of the week. Not likely. It's more likely to be sometime after Tuesday of next week. Six Democratic candidates on the stage for a debate tonight, the last debate before the Iowa caucuses. And tonight's debate will be in Des Moines. Biden, Warren Sanders, Buttigieg, Klobuchar, Steyer on the stage. And then at the same time, the president will be holding a 2020 campaign rally a little bit north of there, up in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, later on tonight. It's uh, 1.30, and it's time for us to check in with our friend Neil Saavedra, host of The Fork Report. I tried to stall as long found, as I, I possibly could. I haven't found could. a clean food joke yet. Do a dirty one. Uh, mm. Is there one about feet? All right, here we go. Okay. Hey, Nick. Yeah, Shannon? How did Burger King get Dairy Queen pregnant? Something about the Whopper. He forgot to wrap his Whopper. Okay. Well, that's the last time we're ever doing this show. <laughs> there was Hopefully. another one. About, Twelve minutes ago. <laughs> there was another one about a specific type of doctor. Let's move on. <laughs> what? Uh, Neil Saavedra, host of the Fork Report here Saturdays right here on KFI. Neil, how are you, man? Well, I feel like I need to take a shower after that, but other than that, I'm great. Okay, so there's like a number of different categories of food jokes on this site that I always go to. Is it an animal-style category? And it's like, um, you know, jokes about apples, jokes about bananas, jokes about broccoli, blah, blah, blah. It's a whole alphabetized list. So I click on burgers today, and all of the burgers jokes are dirty as hell. You know what's weird, though? I've, I've been to that site. (laughs) <laughs> that it'll be like normal joke, clean, 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 and then there'll be a really crude one in the midst, and you'll go, "What? Where did right, that come right. from?" Right. I mean, I was really close to saying something, just like picking one willy nilly, and it being really dark and dirty. Yeah. So anyway, thanks for not doing that. <laughs> Me too. Yeah. Wow. Uh, new filters, twenty twenty. Good for you. Thank you. <laughs> uh, speaking of twenty twenty, we're getting new statistics that this may be a down year for for wine. The volume of wine purchased last year declined by almost a full percent. The first time it's fallen since nineteen ninety four. Baloney. Yeah, twenty five years. Baloney. Here's the deal. Um, we we do this as you know. Um, as consumers all the time we follow trends or we get bored with something and we move on to something else there's been a major shift in the last let's say i don't know eight years or so to uh different types of cocktails and uh whiskey well and think about who who drinks wine it's women uh 20s and 30s and 40s and how many of them switched over to the hard seltzers in the past year absolutely but also they've they've turned over to the browns as well a lot of women are drinking whiskeys now uh which wasn't the case 10 years ago so these things these trends change but i think it's because first you get excited about something new and you go down that path wine is not going anywhere wine is fantastic it's actually better for you and um, it, it has great sex appeal because of its heritage. It's going nowhere. There will be, you know, little down cycles. And I know that because it's the first in 25 years, people are going, what does this mean? But ultimately, people's, uh, there's trends with the new generation to, one, either not drink alcohol, which is a thing that's going on right now, and uh, or the mocktails. And then the second is, is to try uh, 
curated, uh, well-mixed cocktails at bars and things like that. And it's just it's just a particular trend. And I think it will shift back because if you don't drink wine for a while, like I I like the browns, I drink uh, uh, bourbon and whiskey and and all of that. But when I have a glass of wine, I go, holy hell, I've forgotten how good this is or how relaxing it is or um, that it doesn't give you that that heaviness or the same. So I think that people will come back and it'll go back and forth. It's just a, a new trend because a lot of people aren't drinking. I'm you- also wondering about the effects of the fires in Napa Valley. There were thousands of cases lost last year and the year before. Uh, well, and and a lot of, of the harvest like destroyed, yeah. There was uh, drought issues. There's been, and although drought can actually make for better wine, it just makes less of it. Um, so there's there's all kinds of things that have uh, taken place. Now, as it stands now, you've got $167 billion going to buy booze. So Americans are still spending more overall on alcohol. They're just not doing it towards wine, but it's a very small number. And I think it just has to do with some some younger, newer trends, and it will it'll go back. It just it, wine's not going anywhere. Uh, I love the story of speakeasies as well. I, I've been to a couple of them. There's one great one down by uh, uh, Largo at the Cornet, that theater. Oh yeah. I don't want to tell anybody where it is. I'll just say it's in that area. Uh, but the idea speakeasies have become so in vogue, and they're fun to share with everybody. Oh, yeah. They're just speak. uh, I do. I take uh, two to three trips to New York a year to visit my brother. He my brother built a speakeasy. No joke uh, in his home. It's amazing. It's, you know, it completely authentic, full size, has a full size bar and everything. So we love going to speakeasies and we travel and go through them all. We've got great ones here in Los Angeles and Southern California. If you're in Anaheim. Look up the Blind Rabbit. The Blind Rabbit is fantastic. Their drinks are great. Their food are, is uh, great. And it's a really cool location. Uh, the Varnish is one that you need to check out in Los Angeles. It actually was originally a real speakeasy. Uh, La Descarga is a great one. Um, no Vacancy is a great one. There's all kinds of – there's one in – have you guys ever been to uh, Red Door in Toluca Lake, Burbank? Heard of it? You've said it. I don't know if I've been there though. Yeah, it's it it is really. I haven't been there in a while, so I'm assuming it still stands as great because the food was fantastic. Kind of an Asian vibe, red walls when you go in, but you would never know it's there if you didn't know about it because it literally is just a red door with a light above it in in a back in an alley, and uh, that's a really cool place to go. They're all over the place, and usually they have. No vacancy, which isn't my favorite for drinks. They do good drinks, but they aren't necessarily knock you on your butt. Is one of the coolest entryways I've ever been to. Uh, a lot of Scarga is wonderful, and they have uh, dancing. It's uh, Cuban-themed, and they have dancing, and they have a massive rum bar and uh, cigar area that's fantastic. Uh, there's a lot of really neat places um, that you can go to, and and in New York, you find them behind all kinds of things like uh you'll go to a coffee shop a regular coffee shop and then when it closes at night uh you go through the coffee shop into this speakeasy there's also um gosh there's an ice cream place 
where you go in and people are just getting ice cream. They wouldn't know that it was the front for a speakeasy. Until the door there's, opens and yeah. the freezer opens and there's loud music coming out. Yeah, right it's there. really crazy. There's, there's some, a place called Laundromat that looks like you're walking through yeah, a washer. I've heard that one. Yes. And there's also that. Is that dirty laundry or is that the laundromat? It's called the laundromat. Yeah. Okay. Dirty laundry is another place. Now. And then yeah. um, Good Times at uh, Davy Wayne's is yes. fantastic. Also, there is a um, break room 86 in Koreatown, which is all 1980s themed. So you go oh, through cool. you go through a back hallway, literally through a hallway in the back of a restaurant that takes you to um, these old vending machines, and they open up, and you go into it. It has uh, like ten separate small karaoke rooms for like ten people if you were just having your own group. Uh, it has. Um, lookalikes of uh, you know famous singers and stuff from the eighties. Their menus come in VCR boxes, and <laughs> they're named after you know. There's a lot of really cool uh, you know of these speakeasies, but they're they all harken back to uh, the 1920s uh, through uh, the early 30s when prohibition was around, and people start learning the difference between a pre-prohibition drink and a post-prohibition drink. When I order like an old old fashioned, I order it pre-prohibition um, because it's made properly and not with a bunch of muddled Because it's made with crap. liquor that they cultivate mm. in a bathtub. Liquor? Yeah. Hey, Neil, can you hold on? I want to talk to you about cheese. Oh, oh I, I was hoping you'd ask. Gary and Shannon will continue in just a moment. Monica Ricks, what's up? Shannon, KFI AM 640 live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. Neil Saavedra, host of the Fork Report, Saturdays here on KFI, has Love joined us for Tasty Tuesdays. Ah, uh, cheese. Oh, my. Cheese is great, isn't it? <laughs> Cheetos announced this week the official name for that orange residue that is left on your fingers after you consume a bag of Cheetos. Mm. I didn't know that the world was clamoring for an actual word to define the cheese dust. Who wants to uh who wants to say it? I don't. It makes me feel gross. Yeah. Doesn't it? It, this it is... sounds like something that they mopped up after my surgery. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh. It's like uh sorry Mr. Saavedra, but uh there's you're going to have some cheetle spillage uh throughout this right. just you... There may be moments where Cheetle leaks out of you. Yeah. I had the same Ooh. feeling when I read that word. Okay, it now, doesn't, and it's it, not it's not spelled like Don Cheetle the actor. That's C H E A D L E. This is C E E C C H E E T L E. Cheetle. Cheetle. The orange and red dust symbolic of true Cheetos fandom according to the press release from Frito-Lay. That's unfortunate. They should have picked a better name. Like what? Like Fam- um, Finger cheese? No, oh. absolutely not. Okay. Um, cheese dust is fine. Cheese dust. Um, That's fine. Che- cheetah Lo- dust. Lumpa cheetah dust. dust. Lumpa dust. Uh, that sounds like a condition. Yeah, that's it's. It's really not pretty, but it's one of those things uh, again that you don't want to consume near someone. You you privately you lick it off your fingers and you hey, scrape it with your teeth, but I, you don't. Do it in front of somebody, no. and I, you shouldn't say Cheetle. I think we should do this for next week. Nick, write this down so that we remember to do this with, with Neil next week. We should come up with our top three foods. And I and I don't mean like a pizza is my favorite or hamburgers. I want just 
a food that you eat, a single ingredient food. Cheese is one of them. Cheese is on our list. We've talked about that before. Cheese being a great, but just the top three foods. And if you if you had to sit down and eat a food item, what are the top three things? I have to completely wipe out all my favorite food items. Why? Because they're all booze. Because no, because my cholesterol is high. And they're like, don't eat bacon, don't eat eggs, don't eat cheese. I'm like, that's literally all I eat. They told you that? Well, the internet told me that. Oh, see, that's Oh, not- well, let me tell you something. First of all, food <laughs> food cholesterol, uh, there's new studies that have come out that food cholesterol does not raise your cholesterol as much as they once thought. It's uh, probably at maybe a 10% or so of your actual number. So, yes, consult your doctor, but it... Cholesterol and things like that most often have to do with uh, genetics. Hmm. So, so quit your parents. Got it. Yeah. So, you, you just, <laughs> but look into it. Talk to your doctor. But chances are, there's other things that you could modify depending on it if it's the quote unquote good. Well, cholesterol she, she or the said bad. to exercise. I'm like, yes. listen, then, I exercise all the time. So that's a, I'm that's gonna a turn into a freaking yeah. weirdo. I exercise more. Get it. Thanks, Doctor Saavedra. Ne- uh, Neil, we help. can't wait to see you back here, man. Yeah, I love you. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, well, I'll be back there soon enough, and a couple more weeks or so of uh, healing, and I'll be back. Excellent. Good. All How's right. the chicken? Is the chicken good? The chicken. Yeah, I know. Are you tired of chicken yet? I, love, I actually love chicken. Good. And if you're gonna if you're gonna do chicken breast, do the chicken breast tenders. It's the lower part of the breast. Um, it's much tastier, much more flavorful, and. Uh, uh, more tender and juicy than the breast itself. Mm. Awesome. That's my tip. Thank you, Neil. Thanks, guys. John and Ken up next. We'll see you tomorrow. Stay dry, everybody. I forgot to tell you about that joke I read. No. Blessings. Tune in next week for the hilarious funeral episode on Gary and Shannon. Home, where families connect and memories are made. Find your new home with PenFed, a mortgage partner who brings confidence and value to your home buying experience. They offer low rates and no lender fees and can even help you find a real estate agent through their trusted partners. Let PenFed bring you home. Visit PenFed.org slash home or call 1-800-970-7766. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA, Equal Housing Lender.